Today we're going to be looking at mothers who make a difference. But let me start off by saying happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that we have in our audience. You mothers really have a tough job. One of my favorite Mother's Day stories, I've used it a number of times, I like to share it every Mother's Day. Haven't done it in a while, but since we got pretty much a whole new church, I want to share this with you. Imagine this scene. While camping at a national park, a woman struck up a conversation with another woman of her age, about her age, in the campground store. Do you have that picture in your mind? What do you do for a living? One mother asked, or one woman asked. She said, I am a juvenile rehabilitation counselor. Well, after a little pause, the other woman said, yep. I'm a mother too. (laughs) Somebody said, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of preacher. And I say, amen to that. You mothers, God bless you mothers who are raising your kids to know the Lord. And that's why I like Proverbs 31.30 to be our key verse today. Would you read it with me one more time? We read it in our response reading earlier. But let's read it again together. Here we go. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now I want to jump quickly to the fifth commandment. You know what the fifth commandment is? It's right after the fourth commandment. Keep the the Sabbath day holy. And it's right after the fourth commandment. And it's right before the sixth commandment. Don't murder anyone, all right? And sandwiched between those two commandments, God says... Honor your father and who? Your mother. And so what we're doing here today, and what we have already begun doing here today, is biblical. It is right. It is a good... We are obeying God by honoring our moms this morning. Amen? I love what Tony Campolo wrote in his book, The Power Delusion. Who is Tony Campolo? Many of you know him as a preacher, as um, a lecturer as a college professor and author. In this book, The Power Delusion, he wrote, and there's a picture of Tony right there on the screen behind me. Too many times women are made to feel that they should apologize for being mothers and homemakers. In reality, they are noble callings. When I was on the faculty of the University of Pennsylvania, there were gatherings from time to time to which faculty members brought their spouses. Inevitably, some woman lawyer or sociologist would confront my wife with the question, And what is it you do, my dear? I love this next picture. And I love what she responded. Here's what Peggy Campolo said. I am socializing two homo sapiens in the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the teleologically prescribed utopia inherent in the eschaton. Eschaton has to do with eschatology. What is eschatology? The study of end times, the return of Christ. That was her fancy way of saying... I'm raising two children to get ready for Judgment Day. Moms, that's your job. Are your kids ready for Judgment Day? 
Isn't that a wonderful calling? Isn't that a high calling of God? What I like to do at Mother's Day is I like to briefly look at some mothers in the Old Testament and some mothers in the New Testament, and then we'll wrap this whole thing up this morning. And then I'll let you guys go and have some wonderful brunches and lunches, and some of you are shaking your heads saying, yeah, because moms don't cook today. Something happens with the cooking hand. It just can't hold a pot, can't hold a pan. And it's our jobs to take them out and make sure they don't have to cook today, right? But I'd like to start with who, who else but Eve, the mother of all living. We read about her in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. Wonderful, beautiful, marvelous woman that she was. Oh, yes, it's true. She led us astray in the beginning. She got off target a little bit. But you know what? She got it back on straight. And she, and she raised her boys right. At, at least... I know two were right, the three that are mentioned, but you know, three of her sons are named in the Bible. And it's that third son that I'm really interested in. His name is Saith. You remember, Saith was the child that God promised a seed line would come from the seed of woman and be born to crush the serpent's head. And the seed line was saith that that seed line continued through so that today we are able to call upon the name of the Lord. Were it not for this godly mother raising that godly son, you and I would not be able to call upon the name of the Lord. And since that time, the time of Eve, it has fallen on mothers to raise their children to know the Lord. Our mothers bring us into the world. They nurture us. They provide for us. They raise us up. They teach us and they discipline us. Mothers have a remarkable ability to change the world through their children. And this morning, I've been thinking about my mom. Raised five of us. Anybody have large, they don't have large families like we used to. Anybody come from a family more than five? How about more than five? How about ten? Oh, hands are going. More than ten? Whoa, look at those hands. More than fifteen. All right, so somewhere between 10 and 15. I, I was talking to somebody that had 12 siblings. Can you imagine? I say, God bless that mother. But you know what? The mother's legacy lives on through their children. And then I can't help but think of Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Little baby Moses. We read a whole lot about baby Moses. We love baby Moses. But think about poor Jochebed who had a real tough decision to make. You remember the background. Children of Israel are now in slavery, and they are multiplying, multiplying. And the command came from the top down. Pharaoh said, all baby boys must be killed. Any child born, chuck it in the Nile River. Well, this one mother saw there's something special about this boy. She makes a little basket, fills it with pitch, sets it down among the reeds in the Nile River, sends older sister Miriam to watch after that little boy. And then one day, by the luck of God, we call that providence, don't we? Don't you see God's hand over that Moses story? Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe right at the exact spot. Here's that little baby Moses crying. She wades out into the water. She looks into that basket and lifts him out of the basket. You know that the name Moses means to draw out of water. And she says, looks like a good baby to me. I'm going to take it home and raise it as my own. And quick-thinking, unselfish Miriam runs over to Pharaoh's daughter and says, would you like me to fetch one of the Hebrew women to be the nursemaid 
to this child. You mothers have some tough, tough decisions to make along the way, but how would you like to be faced with that one? To leave the family to go raise that son that you believe God has a special mission for in the palace. And so that's what happens. And, and, and that mother taught Moses about who? Jehovah God, Jehovah God, Jireh, the one that provides. But what if that did not take place? What if Moses was even raised by the Egyptian mother of the year? We never would have had the Ten Commandments. There never would have been an exodus. There never would have been uh, the seed line continued. It would have changed the course of history. But because of a godly mother, we read this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25. Moses, when he had come of age, chose to suffer affliction with his people rather than enjoy sin for a season. Where did he learn that? What made him, what helped him to make that choice? He learned that from his mother. And then I think of Sarah, the mother of Isaac. Hebrews 11.11 says, By faith also, also is a very important word in this passage, also means whatever Abraham had, whatever faith he had, she had. Also, by faith also Sarah herself received, received strength to conceive and deliver a child, when she was past age, it shouldn't have happened. It was physically impossible. But with God, all things are possible because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah was a believing woman. She put her trust in God. And the same faith that was in Abraham was in her. She had a correct relationship with her husband. She had a correct relationship with her God. And the Bible says that you are Sarah's daughters if you imitate her faith. And then I think of Hannah. What Mother's Day message would be complete without talking about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And what I love about Hannah, she was a praying mother. 1 Samuel 1.11 says, Lord, give me a baby what? Boy. Did you know you can pray specific prayers and God hears and answers those prayers? She wanted a man child, not just any child. She wanted a baby boy. And if you do, I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. I'm impressed that she was a praying woman. And you know, that's what we need today in America, in the world. Praying mothers. You say, what about praying fathers? Absolutely. Same side of the coin. Praying mothers and praying fathers will change the course of of history. Hannah knew way back then that you could give your children to the Lord before they are born and all the days of their lives. Compare that with, what can you do with a 16-year-old? You can give them to the Lord. Amen? And that's what she did. That's the kind of mother that she was, turning them over to God. But in order to turn a child over to God, you must learn to take your hands off of them. It's not easy to do, is it? All of our children are just on loan to us. Who do they belong to? They belong to God. Every child, everything belongs to God. I, I went to a college um, that really emphasized missions. They actually had a missions program at this particular college, and teams would formulate just before you graduated, and you go through the six-month special mission training. And Jane and I were actually... In the training, we were thinking about becoming missionaries in Monrovia, Liberia. And, and it was surprising to me how many of these 
young people would come to us and say, my parents don't want me to go. They, they don't want me to go over there, maybe get married to somebody else, raise grandchildren in a foreign country. I feel called of God, but my parents are forbidding me to go. See what it, It's hard to take your hands off, isn't it? We want them for ourselves. It's sort of selfish, but if we're going to dedicate our kids to the Lord, that means letting them be all that God intends for them to be, even if that means being missionaries in a foreign country. Now I want to look at some mothers in the New Testament. And who, who can we not start with but the mother of Jesus? Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was a dedicated woman, dedicated to the Lord, because when the angel suggested that this single woman allow the Holy Spirit to conceive in her body by immaculate conception, realizing the cost of that, realizing the possible shame that would go along with that, the gossip that would go along with that, because she's betrothed to a man named who? Joseph. Try explaining that one to the man you're engaged to marry. Hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant. Oh, really? Whose baby? God's. Right. Joseph knows of only one way that women get pregnant, and he'd not been with her in that way. And it took, it took a, a vision, a, a miracle of God, to convince him that she is a woman of purity, she is a woman of honor, and go through with the marriage. And he, of course, was faithful, and he did that. But, you know, there had to be some talk on the town, but she was willing to do things God's way. And I'm impressed that she also, like Hannah, was a woman of prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says that when the church met for prayer, it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. She attended prayer meetings, and she was a dedicated mother. This is one of the toughest passages in the world when you stop and think about this. John 19, 25. Now there fainted. Now there collapsed. Now there broke down. Is that what you're reading? Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Not a fainting mother, not a crying mother, not a weeping mother, not a mother that's broken down. She had cut, well, Jesus had cut the apron spring strings. If you want to go back to that wedding feast in Canaan of Galilee, I think that's where it began to get her ready for this moment. Woman, what am I going to do with you? Jesus, i got a problem. We brought all the wine. we got to make some wine for this wedding. She had never seen Jesus do a miracle. Jesus wasn't Superboy, kick a football further than anybody else, hit a baseball further than anyone else. No, he's just a regular person, but she knew he was very, very creative. And he could come up with a solution. And he'd been doing that for his mother for a long, long time. And finally, he begins his ministry. And now he says, Mom, I can't do this anymore because there's going to come a day when you and I are going to have to come, I'm going to go to a cross, and you're going to have to watch. And I want to prepare you for that occasion right now. And so he cuts the apron strings. But it's still a remarkable statement to me. Um, Can you imagine this mother watching her son die the most horrible death ever devised by mankind? And she's not fainting. She's not breaking down. She is standing 
by her son's side through the whole process. While disciples ran, she stood. I love this mother. That's a remarkable passage. And then I think of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, a godly woman who was willing to, to wait upon the Lord. What do I mean by wait upon the Lord? Well, if you know the background story, when they were young, see, see Elizabeth was married to a guy named Zacharias, and when they were young, they said, Lord, give us a child. We want a child. Isn't that what you know, most families, young couples, they pray for? We want a child. And what are grandparents praying? Give me a grandchild, and today I've got a daughter-in-law who's in labor. We are excited. Contractions about every 10 minutes apart. 4 o'clock, they were over 15, now we're down to 10, and as soon as this is over, I'm already saying my goodbyes, guys, because we're heading out to the hospital in Riverside, all right? So this is my goodbye right now. But that's what we want, that's what we pray for, and this couple... Elizabeth and Zacharias prayed, God, give us a child. No child for years. Zacharias became a priest. He is now an old man. He's in the, in the, in, in the uh, temple. He's serving his uh, duty in the temple. And an angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias. And the angel says, Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. And he's thinking, what are you talking What prayer? You're going to have a child, Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. He's saying, wait a second. Here I am. Here I am. How's that? Illustration, right on cue. Well, he had stopped praying that prayer years ago, but God hadn't forgotten that prayer. He said, you're going to have a child. You're going to call him John. What do we learn from this lesson? That God's delays are not God's denials. They had waited patiently. They had served God in the meantime. And because of all that, God gives them a John the Baptist. Jesus, greatest man that ever lived on this earth. And then I will look at Eunice. And this will be our last mother this morning. And then we'll let you go. Eunice, the mother of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois. Timothy had a grandma. Grandma's name was Lois. And your mother, Timothy had a mother, her name was Eunice. And I am persuaded that this great sincere faith that was in grandma and your mother now lives in you, Timothy. Isn't that a beautiful passage? This godly Christian faith of a grandmother passed on to a mother who passes it on to a son who becomes a great preacher of the gospel. And and the Bible gives the credit to who? The moms. Well, where's the dad in all this? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say anything about the father. I know he's a Gentile, but it doesn't, doesn't really talk about him much. The Bible credits the mother. The mother's in his life. And that's why 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15, Paul will write about Timothy and how from infancy, where do you begin, moms? You begin by having your kids pat the Bible. You begin by telling them stories about God. How from infancy, infancy, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And we'll close right here. We'll close where we began with Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive. 
And beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And there's a whole lot of women like that right here this morning in our audience. Parents, the best, the best gift you can give your children is this. Listen to me here. I'm about to wrap it up. Mom, Dad, the best gift you can give your children is this. You love God and love each other and keep that marriage going. You love God and love each other, and you be the best example to those kids of what a Christian life is all about. Kids, here's the best present you can give your parents and give your mother this morning. The greatest gift of all, 3 John verse 4, last verse of the day, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, moms, don't you want your children to be walking according to the truth? Every son, every daughter here this morning can give their mother that Mother's Day gift today. You can do it. It's within you. Praise team, come on up. If you need to bless your mother's life by getting right with God and make angels sing and rejoice in heaven, we're going to sing an invitation song for you. If you need to get your life back on straight, maybe you've been the prodigal son, you've been the prodigal daughter, and you've been away from the Lord. It's just one step back to God. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're a believer in God, but you've never taken that next step to acknowledge that publicly and say, I want to put my Lord on in baptism today. It's the first command of every believer. You can do that today. And so I finished with this. Moms, you protect us, you support us, you instruct us, and you are loyal to us. We, as a congregation of God's people, say we love you and we thank you. Let's stand together and let's sing to the Lord.